Hello, friends. This is Taver Lee, and you are listening to Grit and Grace. We are here for soul-level conversations that will take us across the veil in mystical and magical ways. I invite you to leave what you know at the door, open your heart, and receive. If you want to find out more information, make sure you go to moontempleschool.com. And now let's get started. Thank you for joining me today because you are here for a super special occasion, and that is this is my 200th episode of this podcast. How exciting. I'm kind of surprised, overjoyed, and wowed a little that I'm still here, and so many of you have been with me from the beginning, and I'm so super grateful. This podcast has gone through a lot of different iterations of growth as I grow and change, as your feedback, comments, and participation continue to grow. It allowed me the expansiveness to bring you what is relevant for me and what I feel like is most relevant for you. And I hope that you continue to join me not only on the audio version, if you're listening just on the audio version, but also on YouTube. Now that I'm here, you can see my face. So if you haven't joined me on YouTube yet, then here I am. Come and find me. And to celebrate 200 episodes today, I'm going to share with you 10 of the most powerful lessons as a spirit that is in this body having a human experience. Things that I know have impacted so many others along the journey in not only their path, but like as a teacher, as a facilitator, as a leader in my communities, and also as a leader of myself first, the things that I've learned and I think are most important for you that will help you. And I'm sure some of this is going to resonate and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, yes, I learned that too. Or maybe it'll be something new that will help you on your journey because that's what I'm here for, to provide knowledge, teaching, awareness in any which way that I can. So I'm super grateful. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me for 200 episodes. And if you're new and you've just begun listening to this show, then awesome. You know, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for finding me. Thank you to whatever forces in the universe brought you to me. I'm glad that you're here. So I'm going to start with the most powerful one, and that is owning the word witch. What happens in our bodies, what will happen in your body if you own this highly sensitive, triggering word in your life? And it's all going to depend upon like what conditioning, what beliefs do you have about this word? What background, what communities do you come from that have conditioned you to believe this word to be something triggering or something that is bad? It's just a word. And it's also a word that when you claim it and you feel it inside, and I utilize the definition of the uh, of which being anyone with access to wisdom, whether it be from nature, from your intuition, from your spiritual gifts, from your guides, from your ancestors, from your intellect, anyone with access to wisdom, which is all of us, if that's the definition for which, and we were to remove all past beliefs and barriers and owned it as just that, then it has no charge to it. 
But here are two things that I know will happen when you embrace this word, if you, maybe you won't, totally fine. Number one, when you embrace this word, you are required to go through your own process of removing these beliefs about this word. It is a deeply inward journey that will bring up a lot of your own conditioning, no matter where it's come from. It will bring up a lot. It will require you to do the work to challenge your beliefs, challenge the systems that have tried to oppress powerful individuals that have embraced their own personal power. The systems that have put in place to kill hundreds of thousands of primarily women for being wise healers, being connected to nature, for bringing wisdom forward, for sharing their gifts. You will feel that you have conditioning in this area and you might even feel old wounding from those that have died doing this work. I for sure have. It's known in a lot of communities as a, a witch wound and I truly believe that exists, but I also believe in a lot of cases in past lives, whether us, our ancestors, or anyone in our sphere of any lifetime could have also been a perpetrator. So having a witch wound isn't just that I've been persecuted, it's that I have witnessed, experienced, or been the persecutor. So the wounding is real. So when you bring this word into your body and into your energy field, it requires you to challenge your own beliefs bring them to neutral, address the things that you keep kind of in the shadows around this word. And then also to understand that this the charge that often comes with this is not just from this lifetime. Real witch trials still take place today. It still takes place today. It takes place online in cancel culture. It takes place online in trying to take down disenfranchised people that try to rise and find their center and live from a more empowered, light-filled, loving, addressing the shadows, warrior place. It still exists today. So when you do this and you challenge these beliefs of your own and you sink into, well, yes, I have access to wisdom. I'm a witch. The moment you do that and you feel it, then an entire new system of codes are remembered in your body. Oracle codes, knowledge, wisdom, deep remembering that for thousands and thousands of years, humans have operated from a place of having knowledge available to them in their body, in nature, in their practices, in their rituals. That unlocks the keys to remembering. It's like it opens a whole new series of doors for you that have never been visible before. And so it's powerful. It is powerful. So those are the two areas, the two greatest lessons that I've learned in embracing this word and witnessing others actually embrace this word. There might be polar opposites. There might be polarity. There might be um, challenges. There might be others that don't love or agree with that word. And it's okay. When you stand in your own power, you start to realize that everyone is on their own journey. And we're it's not our jobs to control it or dictate it. It's our jobs to witness it. We only can handle ourselves and our own and our own energy in that situation. So number two, Ancestral wisdom is powerful. 
And when I mean ancestors, I'm not just discussing those that provided the DNA for you to be in this flesh and blood. I'm calling ancestors anyone who has influenced the I am that you are today. Teachers, mentors, neighbors, friends, relatives, family, any of those that have influenced who you are today and your strongest I am is an ancestor. And I'm envisioning, and I'm going to do a a recording on ancestral, like truly tapping into ancestral wisdom. And I'm envisioning it like this triangle that goes behind you from each side of the DNA of your family, one side of your mother, one side of your father, known or unknown, that sits on the shoulders of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of humans behind them. And when I think of the power of being able to bring in their knowledge and their wisdom, I think of that power as not just gaining the remembrance of what's possible and potential in you, but also clearing the patterning that doesn't support you or your future generations now. There's a saying in a lot of spiritual communities that when you do this work on yourself, you clear seven generations behind you and seven generations in front of you. And I know this to be true because what actually happens when you work on yourself in any centering aligned way to see the bigger picture, to allow yourself to acknowledge that you are a spirit and a soul in this flesh and blood in this small slice of time that you are incarnated on earth. And when you see that bigger perspective, it is a powerful experience to remind you that you are not alone that a lot of things conspired for you to have this experience, both the, the the really joyful, wonderful, expansive experiences and the challenges, the hard times as well. And most importantly, knowing that you can clear the patterning that doesn't serve you now, you can clear it from doing ancestral work. Super important. Number three, our spiritual gifts Yes, ours, yours, mine, all of ours, because everyone has access to it. And I'm speaking to you. I know you have access to spiritual knowledge that comes through your body. We all do. Whether or not it's been fostered, we know what it is, or we have the right language around it, we do. And here's the important thing, is that for everyone, it comes through their body differently. It comes through differently. I know now that this seer vision, which is my primary gift, um, I see things like videos playing out in front of me and I've made decisions based upon what I've seen my entire life without having knowledge or words until I was an adult to understand that that's what I did. I also didn't have knowledge and understanding till way after that, that not everybody has that that everyone's spiritual gifts are different. Their, their inner knowing field, even just their intuition, their, their hearing, their sense of smell, their sense of seeing things is so different. And here's the second most important thing I know about your spiritual gifts and mine is that they change and grow and expand, especially when we do the intentional work to foster them. They're like a muscle. 
So when we flex that muscle of our inner knowing fields or any of the clairs out there, that it is possible to expand it and grow it. Sometimes it happens just from being in an aligned, connected state to nature. It will immediately change your gifts. And it's it's something that requires regular intentional practices. It is it is a perishable skill set, <laughs> your spiritual gifts. I remember when I was in Hawaii last year, some of the most amazing, expansive shifts in my own spiritual gifts took place during that time. One day I woke up and I was in bed and the place that I stayed in the middle of the jungle had half of the this very small place was like a lanai and it was all screened in and nature was like right there. And and it was the jungle. And I remember waking up one morning and listening to the sounds of nature and I actually could hear a flower opening. I could hear it going from a bud to an open bloom. I heard it. I heard it do its entire opening like the petals unfolding slowly. I heard it in my body. And then of course I was able to put a visual to it and I humanly got out of bed and went and looked and I'm like, wow, I just heard what occurred. My sense of hearing dramatically shifted because I was so deeply entrenched in the circadian rhythm of nature without any external influences. And then the next day I ate a bite of fruit a, a bite of fruit that fruit that I have normally that didn't even grow on that island. And I took a bite in my mouth and it was like an explosion of color, light and feeling inside my mouth from this bite of fruit that I've been eating my whole life. And I, I was just in awe. I was shocked at what occurred in my body. And I knew that, wow, my senses are attuning differently. And it also really led me to this deep understanding that our spiritual gifts all come through our human body. It's not outside of us, it's inside of us. And so when we work to flex these muscles, we work to flex them as humans. So we make it easier for us to be able to receive it. And they're always going to grow and change the more work and intention we put into finding our center, opening our channel understanding how energy interacts between us and everything around us and how our body interprets it. And then of course, how do we hollow our bones so we have a clear lens to interpret what we actually receive? And I interpreted that bite of fruit that exploded in light codes in my mouth as just a reminder of what's possible. Everyone's gifts are going to be different. Yours are going to be different. It is possible for them to change and expand with intentional practices. Number three, this is a big one, finding your center and being able to regulate your nervous system is the most important thing that you can do day to day. This This is fact. This is fact across science of how our body operates. This plays into everything related to meditation, breath work, and it doesn't matter if you cast spells or do high priest and high priestess rituals. Knowing your center, knowing when you are off center and how to get back to your center and what is needed to regulate your nervous system is a foundational practice that I hope all of you are working on because here's what we all know to be true. We will not be in our center all the time. 
and I live and breathe this work. I do rituals several times throughout the day. I practice breath work. I do this work, and yet I am not always in my center. Trust me, my my ohm gets stolen often. I get knocked off kilter. I take hits from the external world and this human existence just like everyone else. What happens for me is I recognize that I am not in my center, and I have rituals and practices that I lean upon to immediately stop, if I can, and return to center first and foremost. And then knowing my nervous system, knowing how my body needs to move energy in order for me to be able to rest and return to a regulated state is a lifetime of work for all of us. And yet it can be so simple. I say this and it might feel like, well, that's really big and complicated. I'm just trying to master how to wake up in the morning and think good thoughts about the day and use my mantras. It's not that difficult. It's being so radically self-aware of your own energy at any point in time and having simple practices and tools available to you to return to your center. And recently I had an experience where my my center was difficult to navigate back to. I was going through an experience of a lot of external stuff, noise, a lot of noise um, that really had nothing to do with me, but that was uh, impacting me. And I reached out to my dearest group of sisters and said, whew, whew, I'm having a hard time finding my center. <laughs> I, sent, I sent a lifeline. I sent an SOS and one response within seconds from them brought out that I had anger. I had anger, not necessarily for myself, but for those impacted. And the moment I unleashed this anger and just blah, I needed to come out in a quiet space with my doors closed, with the music loud, and I let it come out. I'm like, oh, there you are, center. I find you. I found you. There you are. We need to move the energy that stops us from finding our center and have a practice, rituals and tools to be able to lean upon to truly, truly be able to dive deep into what it means to have a regulated nervous system. And if a lot of this information is new for you, I invite you to just start this practice of finding what is my centered state. When do I feel so good in flow and in alignment? And what did I do to get there? And how can I do the work to return to that? And what does my body need right now to feel safe and to have my nervous system breathing regularly? Super important. If there was ever one of the most important tools I could give you, as a witch, it is to work on yourself, work on finding your center, make decisions, make rituals and practices and, and, and intentions around regulating your nervous system. It's like, I feel like I could just like drop the mic now and say, okay, that's it. It is important. It is possible. And it can be simple. And it requires you to take the time to listen to yourself more than what you're listening to outside of you. Number five. This is another good one. Your values, your true north, and how you live life to live by these values can change over time. Your true north, your purpose, your I am statement, your who, who this is who I am, this is what I live by, these are my non-negotiables, this is how I show up for others in my life and for myself, these action steps that lead to your true north can change over time and here's why. 
if you have ever created um, like a code of values, I, I, I teach people to create scrolls of their own personal code of ethics on how they show up in this world and what's super important to them, that it can change based upon the experiences that you have. Meaning you might not have a value on your list of code of values because you may have never had a test, like in this this human earth school we're in, you may have not had a test yet that required you to evaluate, is this this important to me that I am going to put energy in it? And if it's that important to me that I'm going to put so much energy into it, then it should be something that I choose to live by. And it can change. Now, your true north of your purpose here, um, even if it's one word, two words, or one sentence, that like true north, that doesn't often change. Mm, it can change in terms of purpose, but it may not change in terms of the value of that purpose. All the ways in which you embody that value can change. It's okay. It should. We are meant to evolve. We are meant to learn more through all of the experiences that we have, both the really wonderful and amazing and the challenging ones. We are meant to grow and evolve. And so if you haven't yet ever created your own code of values, consider this your invitation to go through this very powerful, spiritual, witchy process of determining how you choose to live, what you most believe in, what you most care about for yourself. You may even wish to include, this is what I allow into my life. This is what I do not. I have mine on a, a big scroll that I've, I've burned the edges and I look at it often and I think, oh, that's really, that's really a great reminder for me to apply my values to this current situation and how I'm going to respond, or it's going to impact the intentions that I have for what's coming next in my life, or my five-year plan in my life, or five-year intentions, or five-year spell that I have working, that I'm going to use these code of values to help me determine what's coming into my life and what's not. Like, What am I allowing myself to experience based upon what's most important to me? and it might change. Thank you for being here. This is part one. Go look for part two. If you want to know what's happening in Mystery School, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and I'm going to provide a teaching on how to create this code of values in the Spellbinders Club. And it's going to be so, so good. I promise you it's going to open up all these doors for you to learn how to um, truly create from a place of purpose, truly create from a place that's not based upon what I need just now in this moment, but bigger picture and how you are of service to to yourself first and others in your community. Spellbinders Club is the place to be. And I'm going to see you in part two. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there.